0: Welcome to constant crime podcast. This is a place where I'm going to bring you solved and unsolved murder mysteries every single week. Today, I'm going to tell you the case of the Lululemon murder. This is a case that is full of so many different details It's taken me longer than it probably should have to research this case, to go through all the evidence. I listened to so many different podcasts, so many different YouTube videos, and looked at so many different articles regarding this case because I think there's so much behind it. I asked so many family and friends if they've heard of this case, and no one has, including myself. This murder took place. March 11th, 2011. I don't know if it's just me, but 2011 just feels like a couple years ago, but it's nine years ago now. This case is important to so many people. So many people's lives got shaken from this case. So many people's lives ended from this case. And there's so many details and evidence in it that doesn't make it so cut and dry. I'm going to tell you how this case came about, how it was discovered, how the bodies were discovered, what happened, and why. On March 12th, a manager of a Lululemon store went to the store to open up. I'm sure it was nine or ten in the morning and she approached the store with her key in hand and the store was unlocked. She was super nervous to see, to see what she might find. So a a store next door was actually an Apple store. And at that time in 2011, they were launching their iPad two. There was people standing in line for this brand new iPad before the store opened. And when this manager of the Lululemon was too nervous to go inside, she actually asked one of the people standing in line, his name was Ryan. He was super excited to buy the iPad two. She asked him to go into the Lululemon store for her or with her. She wanted to not go alone. She wasn't sure what she was going to discover. Ryan went first. He went ahead of her and what he discovered, he'll never forget. Ryan discovered two Lululemon employees. One of them was a dead Jaina Murray, 30 years old, badly beaten and unresponsive. The second was an alive woman. She was bound with zip ties, blood all over her head, scrapes, but she was alive. That's Brittany Norwood, 28 and alive. I'm going to back it up for you. And we're going to go through each and every step of this brutal murder. But just like the police did that morning, they thought it was important to go through every step on the way to the hospital. They rode with Brittany Norwood to the hospital. They thought there was no better time than now to figure out the evidence and what she could remember and what happened. Brittany told the police on the way to the hospital that right after they closed at the Lemon on March 11th at 10 p.m., Brittany contacted Jaina because she forgot her wallet inside. She actually didn't have Jaina's contact information in her phone. Brittany was new to that Lululemon store, so she called one of the other key holders and asked for Jaina's information. The key holder thought, well, I'll just come down. I live a couple blocks away. I'll let you into the store. And Brittany said, no, no, no. Jaina and I just closed up together. She's literally a block away. Like, just give me her number. I'll call her and we'll head back in. The keyholder was uncertain, wasn't sure about giving Jana's information to a new employee, but she did so anyways. She thought they're closer anyways. Why not? She gave her her information and to Brittany's surprise, Jana actually forgot her computer inside as well. So they both went inside. No big deal. They went to go collect their belongings that they forgot and they were just going to close up shop again. Brittany said they successfully made it into the store. Jaina was going to grab her laptop, Brittany was going to grab her wallet, and then men barged in. They barged in because the door was open. They didn't lock the door behind them. They were just grabbing their stuff really, really quick. Uh, They didn't think about it. Two men barged in fully dressed in black while they were getting their wallet and laptop. Brittany guessed they were Caucasian. She didn't really know. They had masks on. They were dressed in black. She couldn't see much. She did say that they raped her. They assaulted her with a clothing rack, wooden hangers, and they did the exact same to Jaina. Like we mentioned previous, the Apple store was right next to the Lululemon store. This was a really posh part of town. Lululemon, Michael Kors, Apple, all in a strip right next to one another. So lucky for the police, there was actually cameras outside of the Apple store. And what they saw were two men fully dressed in black around the time that Brittany mentioned. They thought, we're going to check it out. Clearly, she's not wrong. Brittany had small little details like what their shoes looked like, that one was wearing a backpack. And in the video, there was one wearing a backpack, just like she described the evidence was there. That night, a homeless man showed up at the hospital full of blood, blood all over his body, and he was fully dressed in black. They thought, we have him. We have the guy that did this. There was two detectives on the case, one that's been around the block and been doing it for years and years and years, and a younger detective that felt a little uneasy about the story, the homeless man's name was Keith. Keith said he got beat up. Beat up by someone outside of a club. He didn't do any of the things that they described. Later, Keith's story checked out. He got beat up by a random guy and was bloody and bruised, but it had nothing to do with the Lululemon murder. This is where I would start to question Brittany. I would start to question her motives What If if what she was telling was true. There was the two men that were fully dressed in black. They were checked out. They worked at a local restaurant. They were dishwashers in the back. They were headed home after work. And they also had nothing to do with the Lululemon murder. Brittany was asked if she saw the guy's car. The people who stopped. The people who she was describing that beat her, raped her, assaulted her and Jaina. She couldn't remember anything about the car. But there was so much evidence at the scene. So much evidence that had two detectives on different pages. They were seeing different things, believing different things, and hearing completely different stories from Brittany. One thing we can all agree upon is that evidence doesn't lie. There was footprints at the scene. Size 14, Reebok shoes. But what's ironic about this is all Lululemon's have size 14 sneakers, sneakers that people can try on when they get their pants hemmed. So it doesn't matter if you're female, it doesn't matter if you're male, size 14 will fit. You can hem your pants because you know what length to put them when you're wearing sneakers. There were starting to be inconsistencies in the story. Why would someone put these shoes on and then put them back? All the damage that was done to Jaina and Brittany was done with all Lululemon store supplies. Inconsistent shoe prints, meaning that there was women's shoe prints, the size 14. A person that was walking in the shoe print, in the size 14 shoes, they didn't fit them. By the evidence of the footprints, it showed that the person who was wearing the size 14 shoes was flopping all around in them. So they weren't fitting them properly. They were kind of walking sideways. The laces were untied. The laces were trailing through the blood, through the Lululemon. Brittany also had minor injuries where Jaina was tortured to death. Brittany had small cuts on her hands, a little on her forehead, some blood on her face. People were starting to wonder, was this an attack on Jaina? Why was Brittany saved? Why wasn't Brittany harmed as much as Jaina was? Who was out to get Jaina? The younger detective was starting to get really concerned. What Brittany was remembering from that night isn't what the evidence showed. What was he missing? Brittany was 28, a black woman, not from this side of town. Jaina lived on this side of town, 30-year-old white woman, When they start to investigate a little further, they realize that the rape allegations were not true. Were they made up because of trauma? Were they made up because she was scared? Did they actually happen, but the evidence was wrong? But we all know evidence doesn't lie. There was no rape, no rape to Jaina, and no rape to Brittany. Upon further investigation, they found Jaina's blood in a really weird spot in her car, parked blocks away from the store. Not where they thought she would typically park. When they submitted this blood, it, they didn't know it was Jaina's. They just knew it was blood. It could have been the killer's blood. It could have been Brittany's blood. They didn't know. But they submitted it and all the evidence from her car. But the lab was really overworked at that time. They couldn't send all the evidence. They could only send a couple really important blood swatches. They sent them and the results were in. Brittany's family starting to get a little worried. Worried because they know where Brittany and her family lives. They saw Brittany's wallet. Those burglars saw. They saw where she lived. They saw her ID. Brittany's family were so close. A close-knit family the siblings were really close her brother was telling detectives that she doesn't he doesn't understand why Brittany was saved and Jaina wasn't a couple days later after the investigation continued Brittany asked her brother to call the police she wanted to go back to the police station there was more information that she didn't remember that she wanted to share she didn't remember it the past couple days, it just came to her. After all the trauma, finally being able to calm down, be in a safe environment, she realized that she had more to tell. Brittany's family was aware of all the evidence and the proceedings when the investigation continued. Brittany was a victim too. She was entitled to know what was going on. She was aware that Jana's blood was found in her car. Jana's car. She came to the police station and she had to explain why Jana's blood was in Jana's car. How did it get there? If Jana never left the Lululemon, how did the blood get in her car? Brittany had an explanation for everything. She said that she forgot to tell the police this earlier in all the chaos and the stress. She didn't remember this key part of information. She said the intruders asked her to move Jaina's car, asked her to move it so people wouldn't search for Jaina. They would move the car a couple blocks away and no one would even notice that she was there. But what Brittany had to do was take Jaina's keys, move the car and come back or they would kill her. This is when the detectives start getting a little bit more on the same page. The detective that's been doing it for years and years and years starts getting on the same page as the new young detective. This story is starting to become a little bit unbelievable. How can someone get the keys to a car that you're able to flee the scene and you don't leave? Five minutes to a police station, 10 minutes to a hospital, call 911. Brittany didn't leave the scene. The intruder said she was going to kill her remember? So she listened. She came right back to the Lululemon. Brittany kept explaining how she was going to move. She was so scared and scared of this intruder and scared that they haven't caught these people yet. But the detective stopped her. They kept leaving the room and coming back. She was stressing a little bit. They were kind of putting her on the hot seat. They kind of thought, we think it's her. Detectives asked her to explain the situation. How did this all happen? She couldn't. She kept saying, I want to go. Let me out of here. I want to go. I want to go home. I don't know anything else. They asked her again Do you know what happened? Did you guys get into a fight? Explain to us what happened. How did this happen? Kept putting her on the hot seat. She didn't leave the room. The detectives left again. They came back one more time and asked her how this happened. Brittany requested her family. Her family was just out in the waiting room. Her mom, her dad, her sister, her brother. She requested for them to be brought in. The siblings were brought in. The brother and sister. As the detective started asking questions and started coming up with evidence, the sister started breaking down. She couldn't take it anymore. She left the room. The brother stayed. Brittany explained that she didn't know how this happened. She didn't know how how something horrific like this could happen to her and Jaina. She exclaimed during this interview that she was going to ruin her family and no one knew what she meant by this, including her brother who was sitting right next to her holding her hand. Her brother mentioned that Brittany stole things. She was into stealing some merchandise. Sometimes she stole from classmates, from coworkers, from her parents. When she was younger though, not recently. As you can imagine, two detectives were sitting on one side and Brittany and her brother, Chris, were sitting on another in a cold, dark, colorless interview room. And they were getting grilled. Grilled on what happened, what their family history looked like. What did Brittany use to steal? When's the last time she stole? Brittany admitted that she moved from another Lululemon store. She transferred to this new one in Maryland. She transferred here just recently. She didn't know a lot of people. She worked at the other one for quite some time. What happened and why she got transferred was disclosed in this interview room. She said that once a year at Lululemon, employees got 70% off. They were allowed to spend a maximum, a maximum of $1,000. Brittany asked her manager if she could spend more than $1,000. She wanted to double what she was spending with the discount. She wanted to spend $2,000. They let her do it. She asked permission, but she was almost fired for abuse of discount. She was luckily not fired and only transferred. Reason being, she wasn't the only one. A lot of people apparently abused this discount. A lot of people spent $2,000, $3,000 and it was it gone it went unnoticed until now. So there were more strict regulations put in place and Brittany was allowed to keep her job. At Lulu Lemon at the end of the night. At the end of your shift, after you cash out the till, made sure the store looked perfect, all the pants lined up by size, you were ready to leave. Someone had to check your bag. Just like they do at many different stores, you have to get a trusted management person to check your bag, check and show that you weren't stealing anything, you weren't going home with an extra set of pants, an extra wad of cash, whatever it may be. This night... Jaina found an extra pair of pants in Brittany's bag. There was one thing that Brittany had experience in, and it was theft. She knew that Lululemon Athletica had no tolerance for theft. She knew that Jaina found the pants, and the next day, she would no longer have a position at Lululemon 9.55 p.m., they were closing up the store. They locked up, headed home, and Brittany called Jaina. They turned back around to grab a quick item out of the store. And that is when Brittany killed Jaina. It's crazy to think that one pair of $100 yoga pants is why Jaina is no longer here. Her life was taken because Brittany was caught in a lie. Brittany was so used to stealing and not getting caught. This time she did. She knew Jaina was such a role model in the community, a dedicated student with two degrees and a really great employee. She knew she wasn't going to get away with it. So what she did next was something you couldn't even begin to imagine. Brittany was charged with first-degree murder of killing her co-worker. Brittany had a really great lawyer, and her lawyer even thought that he wouldn't be able to get her off of this. The evidence was too strong. The footprints, how Brittany was only tied with a zip tie around her wrist, how she only had a couple cuts on her hands, cuts that could have been given to her hands when she was stabbing Jaina to death. Her lawyer was really confused, not confused on how this happened, but confused on how he was going to take the responsibility off of Brittany and put it on Jaina. Someone who wasn't able to defend themselves, wasn't able to tell the other side of the story. His responsibility and his job was to get Brittany off. The prosecutor is who fights for Jaina, someone who doesn't have a voice anymore And he was really confident in the evidence. He didn't have to do much. Brittany left a lot of evidence behind. Those shoes, for example, no one knew where they were kept, but someone like a Lululemon employee. Jaina was also hit with a Buddha statue. A statue that was just a symbolism of calm and peace. Jaina's injuries were horrific something you couldn't imagine. In many different articles that I read and many different podcasts I listened to, most people agreed upon that this murder took 15 to 17 minutes. It wasn't quick. Jaina had 333 wounds. 152 to her head and 108 to her arms and hands. Her arms and hands were shown that she was trying to defend herself. That didn't work. Took 17 minutes with so many different murder weapons. And as we mentioned, every murder weapon was from inside the Lululemon. A wrench, a hammer, a box cutter, a statue, a rope, a wooden hanger. And at the end, the experts say that what killed Jaina was a merchandise peg. The final injury that killed her to death was a merchandise peg stabbed right through the center of her brain. The worst thing that I discovered during learning about this case was that right next door was the Apple store. And that night at like 10, 15 p.m., there were still employees there Remember I mentioned that they were having an iPad launch the next day? There was employees there getting prepared, prepared for the big iPad 2 launch. And when they were closing up, they heard people screaming. "Please stop. Why are you doing this?" There was pleading and crashing. They only heard female voices, and no one did anything. Just remember that you can call 911. If you're unsure, uncertain, that's what they're there for. If you have a feeling in your stomach that you know something is wrong, call them. That's what they're there for. If the Apple Store employees would have called 911, things could have been very different. But now they hear those voices all the time. They testified that they heard people saying, stop, please don't do this. Why are you doing this? And they didn't do anything. I question that all the time. I question what I would do, but you don't really know until you're in that situation. Sometimes you don't want to get involved. Sometimes you don't know who's there. Sometimes it could have been outside. So many different things could have ran through their mind, but what I'm thinking is that if they would have called, this could have been stopped. The prosecutor presented a piece of evidence that was really clear. It was sad. Brittany almost made it out the back emergency exit. There was blood all over the door. Her blood. She almost got away. She was dragged back into the store, bleeding by her legs until she was murdered. The jury took less than one hour to decide and mutually agree that Brittany killed Jaina. Everyone in the courtroom, including Brittany's lawyer, had a hard time swallowing this case. They didn't understand why she couldn't stop, or why she couldn't stop herself during this 17-minute murder. The jury said that this ta- attack took a long time. It consumed her. She didn't stop when she had the option to do so. They believe that when they walked into the store to get the laptop and to get the wallet that Jaina was actually struck from behind. That Brittany was behind her following the key holder in as they unlocked the store and Brittany smashed her head from behind. Jaina was able to get back up and when she put her hand to the back of her head and felt and saw all the blood she fell down the wall. Her handprint was down the wall. This is when it's presumed that she tried to run to the back door, tried to run to the exit and get out. She unfortunately failed to do so. Unusually, the judge had nine people describe who Brittany was. Brittany was not only a murderer, she was a niece, a daughter, a friend, and a loving sister, all of these nine people described her in such a wonderful light. They weren't familiar with who this person was. When she was getting described with all this evidence and how she was with other employees and stealing things like perfume and clothing, they weren't sure exactly who they were describing. Brittany had a chance to speak. She addressed the court, Jana's family, the judge. And she said she was sorry, sorry for what she did, wish that she didn't do it and that she hopes one day her family will forgive her. What I thought was really shocking in that is that she didn't hope that Jaina's family would forgive her or that Jaina would forgive her or anything about Jaina's family, just about her own, her own close, tight knit family. She didn't want things to change. And she wanted them to forgive her. The judge has been doing it for years and years and years. He went into this case with an open mind. He wanted to hear both sides. He wanted to hear Brittany's side. And he wanted to hear the prosecution on the behalf of Jaina. After listening to the case, he addressed the court. He addressed the jury, Jaina's family, Brittany, Brittany's family, and the prosecution. He explained that he didn't fully understand. He didn't understand why Brittany didn't stop. She had a full 17 minutes to stop, to control herself, to call 911, to save Jaina, and she decided not to. She decided not to quit. She decided to keep going. She decided to keep going until Jaina was dead. The judge thought that this would never change, that this behavior could not be changed in Brittany. She was a cold, hard murderer, and he didn't think that would change. Brittany was sentenced to life in prison. Life in prison in the U.S. is until the day you die. Brittany went into prison at age 28. She killed Jaina on March eleventh two 2011, and Brittany will die in prison. This case was hard for me to wrap my head around, and I don't know if it's because they're so similar to my age, because I work in retail, because this could be any one of us, you trust another woman that you work with. You just get to know them. You talk about their day, you know a little bit about their life, but you don't fully know them. And that is why it's so important to, to know who you work with, to trust a certain few Maybe it was so hard because I love Lululemon. I also thought it was really important to note that when I was reading all of these articles, so many of them said this This was like a widespread case across all the news, uh, news stations. I don't remember this case. And there sure as heck was not a lot of official articles on this case. This was a case that I read that Lululemon tried to hide. They tried to cover it up. Obviously, no big corporation wants their business to be known as, quote-unquote, the Lululemon murder, the brand. They don't want their brand to be known as that. But I think it's important to bring awareness to Jaina. She was innocent. And it's important to also recognize that the U.S. justice system is incredible when it comes to life in prison. Brittany will serve life in prison for taking someone else's life, which I think is exactly how it should be. This case is closed. They found who did it. And I think it's important just to bring light to it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, check back next week and we'll have another one for you. If you haven't done so already, be sure to follow Constant Crime Podcast on Instagram.